Happy New Year. You'll hear me say this many times. It's going to be a good year. 2023 is going to be a good year. Trouble-free, trial-free, maybe not. It's going to be a good year because God is going to move in our midst, do mighty things in our midst, for us, through us. 2023, I'm convinced, is going to be a good year. So last week, if you were with us, it was the last Sunday of the old year, 2022, and actually it was Christmas Day. So here's just some trivia for you. This is from the uh, Useless Information Department. I understand that Christmas and New Year will not fall on Sundays again for the next 11 years. Did anybody know that? You did? There's a real funky pattern to this, the way Christmas and New Year's fall. The pattern, it's erratic, it's a pattern, it's 6, 11, 6, 5, and then 11 again, and then 6 again, then 11. 1994 was a Sunday, 2005, 11 years later was a Sunday. 2011, 6 years later was a Sunday. 2016, 5 years later was a Sunday. 2022, six years later was a Sunday. 2033, 11 years from now. Christmas and New Year's will again be on a Sunday. Interesting. God knows the end from the beginning, right? He knows what this church is going to look like when we meet on Christmas Day, 2033. Some of us might be viewing it from the other side. So anyhow, Christmas was on a Sunday in 2022. We decided to celebrate Christmas with communion. We had a communion service together. That's a first for CCF that I'm aware of. Uh, we always celebrate Christmas or communion on Easter. It's the first time we ever did on, on Christmas. We explained the importance of Christmas from a theological perspective. Jesus was born to die for us, for the forgiveness of sin for us, to restore fellowship with God for us. We realize that also that God never really commanded his people to remember Jesus' birth. God never really in Scripture tells his people to celebrate the birth of Jesus. He did, however, command his people to remember Jesus' death, which we did. We recognized Jesus' birth, and then we remembered his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension in communion. Moving on to this week, New Year's Day, a fresh start, a new beginning. So for many of us, pork and sauerkraut. How many are having pork and sauerkraut? Yeah, we live in a very Pennsylvania, Dutchish, German area. Do you know why we have pork and sauerkraut? (laughs) Supposed to bring good luck. Have pork and sauerkraut on New Year's Day brings good luck. Look, it's a German tradition. For others, though, similar to Christmas, you'll have ethnic and cultural favorites. Anybody in here? Is there a special ethnic or cultural favorite food you have on New Year's Day? We're all pork and sauerkraut people? Okay. There are parades. There's football, lots of football, college bowl games. This year, there's a full slate of NFL games. The NBA is playing today. 
most of people have off work, especially since it was a Sunday this year, but many will have off tomorrow. So most people get a day off, New Year's, given a day to be with family and and, uh, get some rest. And you can't forget the myriad of resolutions, the New Year's resolutions we make, that Justin so conveniently reminded us they only last 13 days. So what's the use? That's the average, right. Now, on the other side of the coin, those are all the earthly things of New Year's Day. On the other side of the coin, unlike Christmas and Easter, New Year's Day does not really have any official religious or theological implications that I'm aware of. Many churches have watch night prayer meetings, but that's usually New Year's Eve to bring in the new year. It's not New Year's Day. But nowhere in the scripture is there anything about the New Year's Day that we're to remember that or celebrate or commemorate it. So as I was thinking about New Year's Day, a Sunday, we're going to meet, the idea that struck me was, let's talk about a fresh start. Let's talk about a new beginning. That's going to be our theme today, broken down into two segments, one that's going to be just in general, fresh start, new beginnings in general, and then one that's going to be very specific, Fresh start, new beginnings in a very specific area. And I got some good news on this New Year's Day for you guys. No ouches in this message. This message I'm hoping, I'm anticipating is going to be very encouraging, very uplifting. It's a very hopeful message to enter into the new year. No ouches, no challenges. Thank you, Lord. We've had enough of that in 2022. So let's move into the devotional. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. I hope you are familiar with it. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. What an awesome verse. What an awesome thought. Think about it. Words off the page. Meditate on these words. With the Lord... For those who know the Lord, for those who are walking in relationship with him, every day is a fresh start. Every day is a new beginning. When I was a kid, <laughs> we used to have those gray things where you had a little red wooden pencil and you write on it and then you could pull it up and everything disappeared. Anybody remember them? Then my kids came along and we had Etch-A-Sketch. Now my grandkids, they got state-of-the-art stuff with the drawing and the erasing it and buttons and everything. But the principle of all three is the same. They all do the same thing. They erase the previous writing. And you can start again. So you make a mistake, erase, start again. I want to repeat this. With the Lord, for those who know the Lord, those who walk in relationship with him, Every day is a fresh start. Every day is a new beginning. It's like pulling up that cellophane or shaking that device to erase what was there and start anew. Every day, new opportunities from the Lord. So it's not only just to forget the past, that his mercies are new every morning. It's to get a brand new start and new opportunities, fresh opportunities from the Lord. You guys don't seem real excited about this. To me, this is exciting stuff. 
You got up this morning, you got a brand new start on life. How appropriate, I think, to talk about this on New Year's Day. And because New Year's Day falls on a Sunday, we got up this morning, we had not just a new day, we got a a new week, a new month, a new year of opportunities to walk with the Lord and see what he's going to do. Fresh start, new beginning to life in general, new opportunities every day. That's a great feeling. That brings great hope. That counters depression. If you will really believe what I'm saying, you won't struggle with depression. Actually, not if you really believe what I'm saying. If you really believe what the Word is saying, you won't struggle with depression and despair. There wouldn't be all the suicides if we understood this. So we have today, and today is all we need. And it's a good thing it's all we need because it's all we got. No guarantees of tomorrow. You realize that, right? doesn't matter what your age is in here. You realize there's no guarantees for tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not yet here and may never come for some of us. You just don't know. We take it for granted. All we got is today. We might as well live today to the fullest. And he gives us new starts every day. Here's a question to segue into the second segment. That was the general. It's a fresh, fresh start, new beginnings in general. Why is it so important that this verse says it's his mercy that's renewed every day? It emphasizes it's his mercy that's renewed every day. Any thoughts? Well, I'll tell you. I can tell you. Is that a good idea? Because we have a sin problem. Well, you didn't say it. See, you got to speak up if you know it. None of this jumping on the bandwagon after the fact. We have a sin problem. Human beings have a big sin problem. Sin can overwhelm and overtake us. Even the best of us. If we can't get out from under it, sin will at best hinder us. At worst, sin will destroy us. Sin doesn't play games. Satan doesn't play games. Out for one end game, destruction. God told Cain, you better watch out. Sin is crouching at your door. Sin is eager to control you, and you must subdue it and be its master, or it will destroy you. And sin did destroy him. He didn't listen to the Lord, and he killed his brother. And he paid huge consequences for it. Because of his mercy, because his mercy gives us a fresh start, a new beginning each day, it enables us to master sin. I'm going to to talk about this. It enables us to master sin in our lives and not allow it to become entrenched in our lives. Because his mercies are new, Every morning, do you see where this is going? It keeps us from, it helps us, 
enables us and allows us to keep sin from getting entrenched. Because every day is a new start. Clean slate. Today, God wants to help us. God wants to show us how to deal properly with our sin problem. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. This might come as a surprise to some of you. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not just, not only our sins, but the sins of the world. You know, we could preach a sermon just on this verse. But all I want to say today is this. God's, are you listening? God's plan A for his people is that we do not sin. And when you accepted Christ, you got the Holy Spirit, you got the body of Christ, you're put in the kingdom, you became a son and a daughter of God. We got everything, grace, we got everything we need. Provision was made to not sin. Therefore, when we sin, we've chosen to sin because we don't have to sin. I write these things unto you, church, so that you don't sin. It's possible. But if you do sin, we have an advocate. Well, God knows us very well because he gave us a plan B. That's plan A. Don't sin. Here's plan B. If we do sin and if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've been talking in our discipleship class about what are the important things we need to teach our disciples. And one of the things that struck me was we always teach them 1 John 1, 9 right off the bat. Hey, when you sin, you're going to sin. Then here's how you take. We need to start teaching them 1 John 2 before 1 John 1, 9. You are a new creature in Christ. You don't have to sin. You got everything you need not to sin. Sin for the Christian should actually be the exception, not the rule. But you look around the church today, sin is the rule rather than the exception. We've landed much more on 1 John 1, 9 than we are on 1 John chapter 2. And God wants to change that. He's looking for a pure, spotless, clean bride in these days that he's going to use mightily. Sin is such a nuisance. Sin has so many negative ramifications. Our sin definitely affects ourselves and it affects others. Don't kid yourself. You don't sin in a vacuum. And often the ones who are hurt the most by our sin are the ones we love the most. Sin has consequences whether we want to believe that or not. Whether we like it or not. However... The most significant negative effect of sin is that it breaks our fellowship with God. And it hinders him from being able to bless, favor, and use us as he would like. 
Satan is just this, this powerful adversary, or at least we magnify him maybe even above what he is. But God overrides Satan all the time. What can really hinder God is our free will to sin. Because God can't work through the sin. The sin has to be taken care of before he can work. Our sin is a much greater hindrance to God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven than Satan and all of his adversaries put together. Sin greatly hinders our experience of God. We long for more of an experience with God. Deep cries out to deep. We want to know you. We know from your word it's possible to know you. Very intimately, crawl up on your lap and, and talk with you. We know that. And what keeps us from that experience is our sin. So it's very refreshing. His mercy, his forgiveness of sin is new every morning. Now, Lamentations 3 is daily mercy and forgiveness. How about this? It's even better. 1 John 1, 9 is moment-by-moment mercy. It's not even enough that every, every morning we have his mercy. Because of 1 John 1, 9, we have his mercy moment-by-moment. We can walk in freedom from sin. We can walk in forgiveness and cleansing. Blessed is the person who does not hide or cover their sin, but confesses and repents before the Lord. When we sincerely confess our sins, he immediately forgives us and cleanses us from all that attaches itself to us when we sin. When we sin, whether we know it or not, because our consciences are getting pretty seared, but when we sin, all kinds of guilt and condemnation heap on us. They become like stains on us. But Jesus' blood cleanses and scrubs and washes those stains away. This is almost too good to be true. Come on, people. This is almost too good to be true. Hello. One. Further thoughts on this mercy and forgiveness of sin. New every morning, moment by moment. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, to cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Now, listen to me. We know that God takes sin seriously, right? Oh, come on. He's been telling us that for weeks. You got to get serious about your sin, about taking care of your sin. We know he takes sin seriously. Did you know that God also takes mercy and forgiveness and cleansing very seriously as well? He's not stuck on sin. He wants us to experience forgiveness. He wants us free from the effects of sin, cleansed from a guilty conscience, from all the shame and all the condemnation, from the stains of unrighteousness of sin. And there's a reason that he does. He loves us, but there's another reason why he does There's a purpose to his mercy, giving us these opportunities to be forgiven and cleansed so that we can live for Christ, unhindered, unburdened, to serve the true and living God, our Father in heaven. 
That's why he offers his mercy new every morning. That's why he offers moment-by-moment mercy when you confess your sins. You're forgiven and you're cleansed and you're back on track. So here's a wacky question for you. Maybe that'll get your attention. I got a wacky question I'm going to ask you. Did you ever wonder what God does with unconfessed sin? Did you ever wonder what God does with sin that we confess? No? Okay, well, let's wrap her up and we will. Uh huh. We do. What does God do with confessed sin? No, confessed sin. Sin that we confess. Now we're getting there. Okay, let's take a look. He has removed our sins as far from us as, as the east is from the west. How far is the east from the west? Anybody know? Forever or never. If you're traveling east, how long will it take you to reach west? Never. The answer is never. That's the point God wants to make. Once sin is confessed and repented of, it will never appear again. You can't find it. You can bring it up, unfortunately. But from God's perspective, it's gone. Now, that doesn't mean this is, I'm thinking this question may be raised. That doesn't mean we won't commit the same sin again. But when we do, that's a new, another act of sin. It's a new act. Though it may be something that you've already done, maybe even habitually. What do we do about that sin? Each new act of sin receives new mercy. Each new act of sin receives forgiveness and cleansing. Yeah. God removes each and every act of sin as far as yeast is from the West when we confess it. Jeremiah, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never remember their sins against them again. Did you ever go to the Lord, I'm so sorry, Lord, and I know you did. I'm so sorry, Lord, I did that again. And the joke is, because it's probably not exactly true, but the Lord says, what do you mean again? So how many times will God forgive the same sin? Any, any thoughts? How many times will God forgive the same sin? I did it again and again. <laughs> I'm thinking if I want to tell this little story or not. I'm not sure if I should. But. So the denomination that I grew up in, it was required that we had to go to confession and we had to confess our sins to a person. And you'd be out there sweating bullets because the person knew who you were. They knew by your voice, you know. And so you're making up stuff. You're like, I, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been uh, six weeks, more like six years since my last confession. Oh, I disobeyed my parents uh, Maybe 300 times or maybe a little more than that. You're making, this, you're making this stuff up. No, every individual act of sin confessed is forgiven and gone and never remembered again. 
So how many times will God forgive the same sin? That's a great question. Peter asked that question. He asked Jesus just to make sure that he was hearing this right. How many times must I forgive my brother if he sins against me? And Peter's thinking, maybe seven. And even that's pretty generous. My brother should have known way before the sixth time to stop doing that. Well, here's Jesus' answer. No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, for those of you who are out there doing the math, carrying the one, uh, it's not 490 literal times. Seven times seven is, a, is representative of inexhaustive, of complete forgiveness, of infinity and beyond, buzz yet late year. It's not 490 times, and now you've satisfied it. His forgiveness is moment by moment as we need it. It's day by day. It's moment by moment. We could go on forever. One more verse, just to be sure we're getting it. How good this really is. How it can change the way you live. How it can help people to know this truth, especially people that don't know the Lord. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet. You will throw them into the depths of the ocean. Some verses have in the deepest sea. Confess sin is never to be drudged up again. So what does God do with our confessed sin? He removes it as far as the east is from the west. He will never remember it against us again. If it comes up in our mind, it's either us or Satan bringing it up. And he will bury it in the de- as, if, as if in the deepest ocean, never to be drudged up before us again, from him at least. That's a place for a shout. Anybody feel like shouting? That's an hallelujah. That's an amen. amen. This is good news. So I want to close with a New Year principle for believers related to this. Living in the light of fresh starts and new beginnings, and daily mercy, and moment-by-moment mercy. Here's a principle for us. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not yet achieved it. In other words, I am not perfect. There's always room for improvement and growth. But what I do do is this. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. New start, fresh start, new beginning. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. We usually stop there, but I included the next verse because it's so important. That all who are spiritually mature Agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. What's he saying there? I focus on this one thing. We are to focus on forgetting the past, not being controlled by the past, not allowing it to have control over us and master us. We are to be embracing the future, the future that God has planned for us, the opportunity that God is bringing into our lives, his plans and purposes. We're to press on always, always, always. Press on, push through, always looking forward. 
That's one thing Satan can't stand against is a church that won't stay down when it's knocked down. A believer who won't stay down when they're knocked down. We just keep getting up. Daily mercy, momentary mercy. We're on our way again. He's deathly afraid of a church like that. And there's a church like that rising in America these days, the remnant church. And he's deathly afraid of it. And that's why he's working so hard to try and keep the church pushed down. Not just our church, many churches that are hearing what the Spirit's saying to the church. We cannot allow past sin to drag us down, hinder us from running the race, hinder us from living for Christ, from serving the true and living God, especially in these days ahead. But, Pastor, is that even possible? Yes, it is, because God's mercies are fresh and new every morning. And because if you confess your sins, you receive momentary forgiveness in the moment. Every day is a new start. Oh, and by the way, this is going, we're going to close with this, and then, Jamie, you'll be coming. This is not a cop-out. This is not an excuse to sin. Well, I'll just sin, and then I'll be forgiven. No, it's not that. There has to be a sincerity about this thing if we confess our sin. But this is not a cop-out just so that we can sin. This is actually a very mature scriptural view of living the Christian life. It's the mature believer who lives from this perspective. The immature believer, are you listening? The immature believer wallows in their sin, in past sin. The immature believer can't get over it. The immature believer, you're thinking, well, man, oh, that sounds hard. The in, this is what it says, Paul said, those of you who mature will agree with me. And if you can't agree, ask God about it. He'll sort it out for you. It's the mature believer who says, yesterday is gone. No matter how bad it was, no matter how, me- how I messed up, today's a new day. And I'm moving on. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be running with believers that think like that. I don't want to be around Eeyores. I want to be around Tiggers. We're not saying it's easy, but we are saying it's true. So here comes Jamie, sauntering up to the mic. We'll stand. Sonny, you want to bring the band forward? Give us kind of a minute to settle down and then... Justin challenged us with a a resolution, and I would like to uh, challenge us with another resolution. Uh, One may be a recommitment resolution. One may be a first-time resolution, and that's to Jesus Christ. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 21. Maybe it's just 14. No, it's 17, sorry. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, things are all become new. So, you know, like Pastor Hub said, if you want a new start, you can begin right here with this verse. Recommit 
anything that needs recommitted, if you're already a believer, if you're not a believer, you've never made that commitment, you can do it right now by saying a simple prayer, Lord, please forgive me, come into my heart, renew me, I accept your forgiveness, and I want to live for you from this day forward. Simple, okay? Father, we just want to thank you for this word that you brought to us today and for the encouragement of it. I want to thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every day and that I can get out from under my old self and live anew every day. Father, I ask that you would help each one of us to live by this word. Help each one of us to overcome those sins that haunt us each and every day, those addictions that we deal with as human beings, Lord, that uh, you would just give us the strength to overcome them each and every day and to remember what your word says that when we rise up, that we are forgiven because of you and because of your mercy and we can walk through a day with encouragement and with freedom freedom from sin, freedom from the enemy, and all that goes along with that, Lord God, we thank you so much. Lord, I do ask you to forgive us for the, our shortcomings, and Lord, help us to walk in this year uh, with all that you have for us in mind. Would you give us great wisdom and knowledge and love to, be, to move forward and to carry out your will for our lives this year? Uh, and we just want to ask that in your Savior's name, amen.